Come on, you ready to join in with God's word together today? I don't, I don't know what you're used to, but if I mess up anything, Pastor Wes will be back next week, and I promise you, it will be better than this week in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen right there? We're going to have some fun today. I like to have some interaction. And so if you're in the room, give me a uh-huh. Come on, if you're ready for the word, give me a ready. I'm going to get a little Pentecostal today. So you ready to receive the word? We're going to have some fun together today. I'm an energizer bunny, and so if you, I'll feed off of your energy today. Uh, but on a serious note, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be here. I've not preached in my church in a few weeks, and so I apologize to you ahead of time for the energy that I will have today. Uh, but I am not by myself alone. I want to introduce my incredible, beautiful bride. April, would you give her a big hand? April, she... She runs everything behind the scenes. She leads all of our staff. She, she runs the church. I'm just the little ugly face up here at the pulpit, but she runs everything. And then our oldest son, Dakota, he is 17. He leads our student ministry, our worship team, all of that, all Converge, all that good stuff. And so he leads there. And we've got twin 10-year-olds that are in your kids' ministry right now. And so we're just honored to be here just to spend a few minutes with you. We are on our way up to Georgia on vacation. That'll mean a lot in a minute when I get into the message, but we just could not be more thrilled to be with you today. And I just think, and I mean this, this is not just preacher talk. I know that you think, man, you have to say that. No, no one told me to say this. I think you have the greatest pastors in the entire region. I really do. I really do. And listen, if I, if I get in trouble for anything, it's, to be, it's being more too vulnerable. People tell me, you're too vulnerable, you're too real. The tagline for our church, the mission statement for our church is to give real people real hope in this real world. And I want to be real with you today, church. I want to be real with you. It's been a tough 18 months for your pastors. I'm going to tell you right now, your pastors need a great job. They need to know thank you. They need to know that you love them. Listen, can I just tell you, they need more than your clap on a Sunday morning. They need an encouraging text from you. They need you to go all in with your serving. They need you to start giving and tithing. They need you today. They need you. It has been a burden. It has been a struggle. I have watched them weep tears over the church, and I just want to tell you right now, they need you more than you think they need you. It has been difficult to pastor in 2020. It's been difficult for you to live in 2020. Can I get an amen right there? It has been that much more difficult to pastor in 2020. Then I want to speak this over you, Pastor Wes and Pastor Jean. Can I speak this over you? Do not, Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, do not grow weary in doing well. And I just want to tell you, you've done a good work. And I know the tears that you have shed, the discouragement that you have felt, the struggle that it's been over the last 18 months, I know it. I can feel it. I know you look out into the crowd and you're like, this place used to be more full. Like, can I just speak something? Can I just speak I shared this with your campus pastor earlier. I know that you're like, we're only 50% full. We started saying this over our church. We don't, we don't say we're 50% full. We are 100% full because whoever's here is the right people to take us into the next season. And I want to speak this over you, Bay Chapel. It's time to get back to church planting. It's time to. How long have you been to church? Eight years. You got to go back to day one. We've had to go back to day one. We got church planting 101. And I'm going to tell you, this couple needs you. Would you just extend your, extend your hand to them as I pray for them today? Father, I thank you for Pastors Wes and Jen. 
the courage and the faith to step out eight years ago and to plant a life-giving church in Tampa Bay. God, it's been a struggle. There has been days that they have rolled the mountaintop, but there has been days, many, many days over the last 18 months that they have been in the valley. But I thank you that we see you even clearer in the valley than we do in the mountaintop. So we thank you for the valley because in the valley we know how beautiful it could be on the mountaintop. Would you encourage them? Would you build them up? Would today just be a spirit-lifting moment for them as they're getting rest today, being able to receive from your word, honor them, give them grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, would you give them a big hand? Come on, give them a big hand today. All right, here we go. If you got your notes, I say this to our church. I won't, I'll explain it to you a little bit more. We are a note-taking church at Wellspring, and I believe Bay Chapel's a note-taking church. I believe Bay Chapel's a note-taking church. You're like, I wasn't until this week. Yeah, you are this week. This is what I say to my church. Note-takers, come on, say it with me, April and Dakota. Go to heaven. We say that to our church. And I, we do not believe that if you take notes, that gets you into heaven, but we just believe the blood of Jesus is the only way to get you into heaven. But I just think heaven will be a whole lot better if you learn a few things on this planet. So I want to teach you today. Are you ready for the word today? Father, we love you. We worship you. We open up our hearts to receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Man, as I've been praying for you, I told Pastor Wes, I'm going to come and be with you. About a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I'm going to come just sit in the crowd and be with you. And he said, would you preach? And I said, well, I'm on sabbatical, but I will do it for you in Jesus' name. And I just begin to pray, really just pray, what does Bay Chapel need? What do you need today? And the Lord threw one word in my spirit, and this is the word I want to preach to you today. And I believe God wants to stretch you. Somebody say stretch. I believe Bay Chapel's in a season of stretch. I believe you're in a season of stretch. You're not in a season of bend. You're not in a season of break. You're in a season of stretch. God wants to stretch you. He wants to stretch your faith. You're in a series called DIY, kind of building your faith. I think the faith step that God wants to do today is he wants to stretch you. I believe that the great thing I heard, I heard uh, the, the coach of the Phoenix Suns say this, that everything good is on the other side of hard. Can I say this to you, Bay Chapel? The everything that's good for Bay Chapel, everything that's good for your family, everything that's good for your life is on the other side of hard. Somebody say hard today. Come on, somebody say hard. Here's the definition of stretch. Write it down like this. It's to be made or be capable of being made longer and wider without tearing or breaking. I think God wants Bay Chapel to be longer and wider, but he doesn't want you to tear. He doesn't want you to break. He wants to stretch you. And I truly believe what Pastor West just said, that the best is yet to come. But that can't just be a slogan on a T-shirt. It's gotta be a slogan on the soul of your heart. You gotta believe it, that God has you in a season of stretch. Anybody ever been to the chiropractor? Come on, raise your hand. Join with me today. I, I went to, started going to the chiropractor a couple years ago, and I'll never forget I went to the chiropractor, and my, my chiropractor does, does uh, chiropracting for pastors for free. So come on, how many know I like him even better for that? And so I started going to him because I had this pain in my lower back. And I went in and I said, Doc, I've got this pain in my lower back. And he says, I'll, I'll help you. Sit down, lay down, and 
He said, now where's the pain? I said, I said, Doc, it's in my lower back on my left side. That's where it hurts. He said, now where's your pain? I said, Doc, I've told you three times it's in my, my back and my lower left side. And then he began to do something that I, I never thought he would do. He began to work on my neck. Come on, how many of you know I went to the wrong doctor in Jesus' name? And I said, no, 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 Doc, the, the pain isn't in my neck. It's, it's in my back. He said, now, where's your pain? I said, it's in my back. And he just continued to work on my neck. And then he said something I'll never forget. I learned something so dramatic in my life that I didn't learn from a preacher. I learned from a doctor. And here's what he said. Listen, write it down in your notes. Sometimes the pain is in one place, but the problem is in another. Can I just tell you, church, your pain may be in your lower back, but the problem could be in your neck. I'm here to tell somebody today, your problem isn't what you think it is. Your problem is something different. And you continue to work on the back when the Lord is saying, I got to work on your neck so your back will feel better. Let me say that to somebody because I believe somebody needs to get this today. Sometimes the pain is in one place, but the problem is in another. Today I want to talk to you about a word that doesn't really get much limelight. It's not a real sexy topic to discuss in church, but I think it's where your pain problem is. How many of you today, by the raising of your right hand, just want to say you're dealing with some pain? It could be spiritual pain. It could be physical pain. It could be mental pain. Come on, how many know confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation? Come on. It's good for you. Pain. I believe today that the majority of us today, our pain, listen to me, is in your purpose. The pain is in your purpose. I think for many of us, we've got purpose, but we don't know it. For many of us, we know our purpose, but we're not living it out. And I want to ask you this question today. Why do I need to stay devoted to my purpose? One of the hallmarks of our church, Wellspring, is that we want everybody that comes in the doors of our church to know that they've got a purpose and stay devoted to their purpose. So before we go through counseling, before we send them the next steps, before we tell them this or that or serve or start tithing or giving, we remind everybody that walks through the doors of Wellspring that you've got a purpose. And if you don't do anything, stay devoted to your, what is it again? Purpose. Because your pain may be in one place, but the problem is in another. And I think today God wants to talk to us today about our purpose. So why purpose? Write these down if you're a note taker. And if you're not a note taker, write them down anyways. Here we go. Number one is this. Let me give you two sets. I'm going to condense two sermons. I'm going to do it in the right time. Write this down. Why, are we, why stay devoted to your purpose? Number one, because you have purpose. Somebody today needs to hear that purpose isn't just for preachers. Purpose isn't just for stage people. The Bible says that when you were created in your mother's womb, you were created not with breath in your lungs alone. You were created with purpose. Life will not matter until you know what your purpose is. Psalm 139 says this, 
This is God. This is us speaking back to God. This is David proclaiming the words of Scripture. He says, you saw me before I was ever born. Every day of my life was recorded in what? Your book. Now, some of you, you realize this. You've wrote a few chapters in the book that he's writing about your life. You're like, what do I do about those few chapters? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't know why I came to church today and put my cool preacher jacket on. Come on, laugh with me today. But I think this could be it. For some of you, you darkened those doors, you sat down, and maybe you stepped in for the very first time, or maybe you've been in here since day one of this church's existence. Can I just tell somebody today, some of you feel like you've messed up too many times. You've added too many chapters to the story that God is writing. Can I give you a rhema word? This is the logos. But God wants to give you a rhema word today. Are you ready for it? Even though you've written chapters of your life that God did not design for you to write, he still has the ability to make your next chapter your last chapter. Come on, would somebody receive that today? Some of you got failed marriages, you've got kids that have went wayward, you have addiction issues, and you've said, man, I just can't do it, I just can't do it. I've got too many chapters, half my book has been written about things that I'm not proud of. I'm going to tell you, God in his infinite ability and wisdom can make your next chapter your best chapter. I wish Bay Chapel would get a little more excited than they are right now. God can do that. That's what God has the ability to do because you have purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus to do what? Come on, read that with me. To do what? Good things. To do good work. He has planned for us a long time ago. God had the thing prepared before he created you. God had a mission on this planet, and you were when you were born, God said he or she, they're the right person to make this mission happen. How many of you are thankful for Truett Cathy making Chick-fil-A in Jesus' name? I just made you mad because you were going to go there after church, and you realized it was Sunday. Come on. I'm thankful for Truett Cathy. You know who else? I'm thankful for Billy Graham. Can you imagine what our world would have been like without Billy Graham? I could go on and on. Why? Because they discovered what their purpose is. What's your purpose? Today I want you to know that you've got purpose. You were created for a purpose on purpose. Somebody needs to write this down. We need to live by design, not by default. Come on, there are way too many people in this season of COVID living their life by default rather than living their life by design. Don't let life come to you. Come on, would you take the bull by the horns and would you say, I'm gonna define life based on God's principles because I've been made on purpose for a purpose. Here's number two, write it down. Here's why you need to realize you've got purpose. Number two, because there is competition for your time and your attention. Somebody is going, uh-uh, yeah, huh. There is competition for your time and for your attention. Come on, what do credit card companies say to you? What's in your wallet? Why? Because if they can get into your wallet, they can get you. They can get you. They can understand you. There is, there is competition for your time and for your attention. And I'm going to say this to somebody. 
Come on, Bay Chapel, would you just receive this today? If you don't define what your life is about, the world will define it for you. If you don't get up every single morning and say, I've been made on purpose, for a purpose, I'm going to live out this purpose, I'm not going to let him or her or them or social media or politics or this or that, I'm going to live my life on mission, on purpose, because if you don't, the world and social media and the life around you will start to define it for you, and then you'll get to your 30s and your 40s and your 50s or maybe even your deathbed and go this, I wish I would have paid more attention to, and I wish I would just have more time, and it will not be so you can make more money. It will be all about your, what's the P word? Purpose. It's your purpose. It's your purpose. It's why you're on this planet. Somebody needs to write this down. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. Come on, would you just would you let this sink in today? We're getting this, whether you like it or not, summer is coming to an end. The school year is coming. And I'm gonna tell you, the church, let me speak something over this church and the Capital C Church. The church is ready, get, get, gotta get ready for an influx of people. The church is gonna be full again. I believe this fall is the fall that the church is gonna be blowing at the seams. And if we're not ready, by living on purpose, we will not know what to do. So we got to stay close attention to our time, to not have an underwhelmed soul, spending time in the Word and in His presence. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, better, Solomon said this, better to have one handful with quietness, tranquility. Don't raise your hand. How many need more peace in your life? Eliminating Facebook will do that to you in Jesus' name. You're like, are you serious? I promise you, if you get out of Facebook and get your face in the book, you'll probably be a whole lot better. I don't know, just maybe. One handful with quietness rather than two handfuls with hard work. So are you telling me the Bible's saying not to work hard and to be lazy? No, that actually, that word actually means to toil, to strive. Don't raise your hand, but is your life striving? Is your marriage striving? You're struggling, you're having this, just fighting through, just getting through. What Solomon says is that's not the way you were designed. You were designed to thrive, not to strive. Too many people, can I just speak this over you, mom, dad? Too many people are trying to grab something that you were never designed to obtain. Now, I'm going to go here. Forgive me, and if you don't like this, Pastor Wes will be back next week, and he'll fix all of my mistakes. But can I just speak to the parent who's trying to do for their kids what they didn't get as a kid, and they're actually doing more damage to their kids? Well, I never was, I never do sports, and I never did this, and, I never, and you're fighting for that for your kids, but your kids don't even want to do it. It's actually discouraging them and making them bad. Can I just say you're trying to obtain something you were never designed to have? Stop striving. Start thriving. Your purpose is why you're on this planet. And if you're not careful, your time and your attention will be given to things that you don't want to have it. Number three, write this down. Why, why, why stay devoted to my purpose? Here's number three. This is, this is not rocket science. Because time is short. How many know time is short? It, it's short in two ways. Number one. 
Your, your life is one step closer to your death. My name is Joey Atkins, and I came to church to encourage you today. You're one day closer to your death. I probably won't get another invitation back in Jesus' name. But it's the truth. Time is short. You can't get yesterday back. You can't even, you can't even have hope for tomorrow. All the Lord promises you is what you have right now. And here's the second thing. You, we are one day closer to Jesus' return. And again, I'm not trying to depress you or discourage you, but can I tell you, we're not living in the last days. We're actually living in the last of the last days. Go study your Bible. Almost every prophetic word that was spoken in the Old Testament, written in the Old Testament, has already been fulfilled or is in the process of being fulfilled. Jesus is coming back soon. You know, we used to say in the church, old school church, we said, if Jesus tarries his return, I don't even know what Terry means. That's my dad's name. That's all I know about Terry. Come on, laugh with me today, church. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to tell you, his tarrying isn't lasting much longer. I don't want you tonight to get to the end of our life and go, man, we just didn't live our life on purpose. We knew what it was, but we just didn't do it. We can't live our life casually. We just took our church through the book of James throughout the month of June. Beautiful passage of scripture, James, the half-brother of Jesus. He says this in James chapter 4. Look here, you who say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll do that today, we're going to go to this certain town and we're going to make money and we'll, we'll stay there for, I don't know, six months or a year and, you know, we'll do business there and we'll make some money and do some profit. How do you know what your life will look like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. Another translation says it's like a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. I turned 40 last month, two months ago in Jesus' name. 40, and you're like, that's young. I don't feel young. And you know what I realized when I turned 40? I can't get my 30s back. I can't get them back. They're gone. Whatever purpose goes unused in my 30s, I can't get back. I can only use them in my 40s. See, life is short. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. Here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. We're only on this planet for a little bit. Can I ask you this question? What will you be remembered for? What will be on your epitaph? You've heard this before. It does not matter what happens for me from 1981 to such and such year. It's all, you've heard this before. It's all about the what? The dash. It's what you do in the in-between. I did a funeral yesterday, and I realized this. You know, the birth of, the day of your birth is so much less important as the birthday of your death. It's what you do with the dash, what you do with this life. Are you staying connected to your purpose? Write this down. I will never change my life until I change something I do every day. 
What are you doing every day that aligns with your purpose? A lot of us, you would stand here today or sit here today and say, I want this changed in my life. I want this to be fixed. I want resolution in this area. I want my marriage to look like this. I want my kids to look like this. I want my business to take off in this area. But you're unwilling to do the little things every day to get to the big thing that you want for tomorrow. See, what are you willing to do every day? I wrote this down. Some of you, I want, I want a great marriage. Well, can I tell you one area of a great marriage? Is you better go on a date with your spouse more than once a year. Come on, somebody. You want great kids? You got to spend time with your kids more than you do at work. See, you go, well, that's, that's it. no, it's just the truth. What you do every day must change so you can get to the purpose that God has designed you for. Are you hearing me today, church? i got to keep rolling because Wes makes me preach shorter than I do at my church in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. Let me give you the second half of the sermon. Write this down. So what now? Okay, so I've been made on purpose. I get it. i got to stay connected to my purpose because there is time and attention that will be stolen if I don't stay connected to my purpose. I realize that life is short, and so if I don't do anything about it now, I may not get that time back. So what do I do now? How do I make this applicable to my everyday life? Well, let me help you with that. Write this down. Let me give you four parts to living a godly, fruitful, purpose-filled life. Four parts to living a life on purpose. Somebody say, I'm ready. Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. Number one, write it down. This is simple, okay? Nothing I'm sharing with you today is, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get you ready for the fall. Because before too long, in three weeks, four weeks, summer's going to be over. This room is going to be filled with, filled with people. And if these few hundred that are in this room right now don't live on purpose, we won't be able to help the other three to four to five hundred that will be in this room come September and October on living on purpose unless we're living on purpose. Are you hearing me? So we want to help you with that. So number one is this. Write this down. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Number one is you've got to decide what's important. You've got to decide what is important. You know, there's a, key, there's a key word in that statement, and it's not, yes, it's the word decide that's important, yes, what, and yes, is. But that fourth word may be the most important word in that sentence. Somebody say that word. Say it with me. Important. Important. Can I just tell you, and again, I'm not picking on you. I'm just confessing to you and with us today. Can I tell you what most of us, we spend more time on what is urgent rather than what is important. I got to go. I got to go. What is the thing? How are you doing? The response is, I'm busy. Busy is almost something we celebrate in our American culture. I'm just busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm just so busy. I've just got a lot going on. And what do we say back to that person? Woo! You know what? I'm busy too. Then we high five and we go about our busy life. Is your life defined by what is urgent or is your life defined by what is important? Sometimes they're the same, but most of the time they've got to be different. Define what is important to you. What's most important to you? What do you want at the end of your life to say, I focused on that? I love what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Paul is at the end of his life. He's speaking to the church at Philippi, and he says this. You know, I lived a good life. Did a lot of great things. He says, I once thought 
All of these things were valuable. But he says, but now I consider these things, read the next word with me, worthless. I mean, is there any stronger word than that? Worthless. Why? Because I've realized my eternal purpose, what Christ has done for me. If your purpose doesn't matter in eternity, then it's not the purpose God's given to you. Your purpose should be in, have eternal value. Yes, everything else is worthless. I mean, almost like every, every reader or listener in Paul's day had that big eye emoji that we send to people. Like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, it's all worthless. And then he says, compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. It's almost like Paul said, for so many years I resisted the God calling, my call to ministry, my call to serve, my call to tithe, my call to give back. I resisted it for so long. But once I submitted my life, my mission, my kids, my marriage, once I submitted it underneath the umbrella of Christ's finished work on the cross, I realized what I do means nothing. It's worthless if it's not eternal. It's the infinite value. It's the special thing. It's the eternal thing. Is your purpose eternal? And then he says, for his sake. He says this. I have discarded. Is it hot in here or is it just me? I know I got a jacket on in July. I see three of you fanning out there. I'm like, good gosh. I'm sweating up here. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Counting, listen, look, listen to strong language. Counting it all is what we do in Southern Hillsborough County on Wednesdays and Saturdays. What do we take to the road? Our garbage. See, I've counted all as garbage so that what? So that I could gain what Christ has for me. So what am I saying to you? Try it. What if you got up tomorrow morning and said, I'm going to live out my eternal value as the most important thing. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Here's what I don't want for, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be back. I don't know if I'll ever be on the stage. This may be the only time you ever hear my voice, and I want you to hear this. It's to be the case for you. Watch both of my wife's parents die during COVID. Not of COVID, but something else. And sitting at both of their deathbeds. Praise God, they're alive and they're doing okay. But in that moment, I had an eternal perspective that I can't get life back. I can't get it back. So that's why for our church, and I would encourage you to do this for, for Wes and Jen, our church puts in our bylaws, we take an entire month off every single year. Not because the pastor's role is more important, but because if I am not spiritually right, I can't feed my church. And so that's why as soon as this service is over, I'm getting in my car and we're driving. That's why I just got back from Hawaii. Come on, in Jesus' name. You're like, where'd that glow come from? Hawaii! And then I'm going to Georgia for a week. Why? Because I'm ready for the fall. I want to know, are you ready for the fall? Are you ready for, are you ready for what God has for you? Here's number two. Write it down in your notes. So you, you, you've got to realize what's more, most important. What's the most important thing to you? Number two, give calendar time to the important things. 
So I would go so far to say this to you, church. If it's not on your calendar, then it's not important. And no, I'm not telling you to get an Outlook calendar or get back to the paper calendar. Don't get hung up on the word calendar. Maybe schedule would be a better word. If it's not scheduled, then it's not important to you. We schedule time with our kids. We schedule time with our spouse. You're like, it just doesn't feel right if we schedule it. I promise you it'll feel right. See, our purpose needs to be calendared. So I wrote these marriage, date nights, family, vacations. When's the, so here's a practice that we do in our, in our family. Maybe, maybe this, I was sharing with this a couple while we were in Hawaii. I was telling them this. So for us, you can take this down or throw it away, whatever you want. Every seven days, every seven days, I take a day off. I Sabbath every seven days. Okay? Every, every seven weeks, one night away with my wife, April. Shaka, shaka, shaka. Boom, boom, boom. Love, love, love. You follow me, church? Seven weeks, every seven weeks, I'm a, I'm a night away with my wife. And every seven years, I'll take a sabbatical. I don't know if you've been on a sabbatical, but you're on year eight. Have you, have you done one? Praise the Lord. If he's not, you let me know. He needs, come on, your pastors need a sabbatical in Jesus' name. They need time away. Every seven years. So, so next year for our family, we're going on sabbatical. But listen, this isn't just for pastors. It's for you. you got to get off the phone and off social media and get off of that calendar. Give calendar time to the important things. Psalm 90 says this. So teach us to number our days that we may gain, here's the key word, a heart of what? Wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowledge applied. So knowledge is knowing I will die. Wisdom is saying I'm going to start doing blank. So you got to give calendar time to what's important. John Maxwell, one of the greatest leadership gurus in our world today, actually one of my overseers, Alex Anderson, actually gave me this years ago, and I've been living by it. He got it from John Maxwell. It's called the rule of five. You can steal it if you want to. And here's what, here's what he says the rule of five, and I'm going to give you my five. So every single day, I make these five things a priority. It's my purpose. Here they are. Number one, I'm going to spend time in prayer every day. It could be one minute. It could be 30 minutes. Every day, spend time in prayer. Number two, I'm going to study and meditate on God's word. Why? Because you got to preach? No, because I'm a Christ follower. How many know the Bible is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path? It's better than Siri, and it's better than the, than, the, than the maps on your phone. I study, meditate on God. Number three, I say something encouraging to April and my three kids every single day. So while we were away in Hawaii, I texted my son several times. I'm proud of you. You're a great son. I love you. Love you, love you, love you. Why? Because why? Because at the end of the day, they may not think I'm good at this, but they'll know they were encouraged by their father. So every day. Every day, I say something encouraging to April and my three kids. Number four, I take care of my one and only temple. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't look like it right now in Jesus' name. But I've been on vacation, so give me some grace. But as soon as I get back from vacation, the cheeseburgers are over and the gym will be open. Because how many of you know you only get one body? It's one temple. So I go to the gym every single day, and I run five to seven miles a day. Why? Because it's my only temple. It's all that I have. And then here's the fifth thing for me. Again, you got to come up with your own. I strategize about strengthening the bride of Christ. 
How can I make the church better? How can I make the church stronger? How can I grow the church? How can I grow the people in the church? That's mine. That's mine. That's, that's what I focus on. That's my rule. You go, what's your purpose? Right there is my purpose. I can, if you can't say your purpose in one statement or two statements, then you're going to miss it. So what's your purpose? That's my challenge to you this week, that you'd write down what your purpose is. For me, it's this. Let me give you these last two really quick. So renewal, write this down, renewal. you got a Sabbath. you got to rest. you got to get relationships. We do community groups. I don't know when your community group's open. Ours open in the fall. Uh, yours may be open. If not, get into a group. Get into a small group, a life group, a community group. Bay Chapel group, whatever you call it, connect group. Get into a group. Find godly community. And then you better receive the reward. There's going to be a final exam one day. You better be ready for it. Reward yourselves for passing the quizzes and the test as you get ready for the final exam. Ecclesiastes 4.14 says, observed everything. I've observed everything going on in the sun. And really it is all meaningless like chasing the wind. Here's the third one. Write it down. Give you three and four really quickly. Is number three, you better eliminate the non-essentials. Eliminate the non-essentials. I'm not going to answer this for you. You've got to answer it for you. What is in your life that is not essential? What does not need to be there? What's in your life that you don't need in your life? What is it that you need to get rid of? What are the things that do not matter? So many people make a to-do list. Can I encourage you, Bay Chapel, make a to-do-not-do list. So when you get up every morning, don't make a what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be discouraged about my kids' grades. I'm not going to be discouraged that I got into traffic. I'm not going to be worried if my business, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do it because I've got a greater purpose. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. We've got to strip off every non-essential thing in our life. Strip off every weight that is slowing you down. So in our family, our kids are getting a little bit older, and so it doesn't apply as much as it did. But when our kids were growing up, we, made, we had a decision in our family. We're a one-activity season family. One activity. So if you're going to play soccer, you're not playing football. If you're going to play basketball, then you're not doing this. So my son got a job a year ago, and we told him, if you're going to get a job, then you've got to eliminate one thing. Why? Because you can only do so many things well. That's why we've got to eliminate the non-essentials, the things that really aren't going to matter for eternity. Limit technology. Let me give you another one for our family. We make, it, we make a decision in our family that we will spend four nights at home eating a meal around our dining room table. For some of you, that seems like a lot. For some of you, that's like minimum. You gotta come up with what's it for you. So four nights of the week, we will be around our dining room table, and what we do around our dining room table, my kids know it, we share a high and we share a low. What went well and what did not go well. Because if your kids are anything like my kids, I go, how's your day? And they say, fine. That's about all you get. So we share a high and we share a low. Why? Because my investment, my purpose is in my kids. I tell my church all this time. I've already told my church this. Even though my kids are still in high school and in elementary school. Wellspring, my church, is yes for all the people. But I'm building a legacy for my family. 
I don't have what Wes has. I don't have a ministry family. I don't have the blessing of a godly dad. So I'm changing the Atkins name in Jesus' name. No more. No more is divorce. No more is suicide. No more is cheating. The Atkins name is changing in Jesus' name. And so I'm building a legacy for my kids. My church knows it. So my goal one day is to give Wellspring to my legacy, to my kids. And unapologetically, that's what I share. It's what's most important. And then here's the fourth one and final, then I'll close. Is you got to regularly take inventory. You got to regularly take inventory of your life. What's really going on? And I will tell you, taking inventory is great when you do it with somebody else. Your spouse, your kids, or a mentor, a leader in your life. Think about it this way. Do you think it would be a good use of your time every single day to get up in the morning and say this, where is my life out of alignment in this season? Just every day. Lord, where's my life out of alignment? Where's my life out of, where's my life out of order? Where am I running too fast and where am I running too slow? In what direction am I running that I should not be running and I should be running in this direction? Where is my life out of alignment? Could the problem really be in your life? Could the, could the discouragement and the depression and the fear and the agony and the worry that you have in your life have nothing to do with your back? Could it actually be your neck? Could it be that your life is not being lived on purpose for a purpose? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you all over this room, and I don't know how you close, so forgive me if I don't close the right way today. But I'm going to ask you right now to bow your head and close your eyes. Here's what I felt like the Lord asked me to do. I I want to pray this passage of Scripture. If you need to write it down before you close your eyes, you're an OCD person, write this down. It's Psalm 39, 4 and 5. You write that down, just close your eyes. I want to pray this over you. I want to pray this over your heart. Pray this over your spirit. Come on, everybody. Just get into a receiving posture. Psalm 39 says this, Lord, remind me. That's all I wanted to do today. I just wanted to come to your church to share with you nothing rocket science. There's nothing amazing. I just want to remind you. How brief your time is on this earth. I want to remind you that your days are numbered. I want to remind you that life is fleeting. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, my life is just a breath. I want to encourage you today with your head bowed and with your eyes closed that, that you would do just that, that you would get your life back, that you would, be, you would discover what your purpose is. And so with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. How many of you today, maybe it's something that was shared today or maybe you're just a, just a reminder today that it's time for you to live your life on purpose. There's an area of your life that you've let magnify, but it does not need to magnify what is most important. What is most important is your eternal purpose. And how many of you today, you needed that reminder today? Would you just lift your hand up? I want to pray over you. And I say this to my church. God's looking, God's looking for, for courageous people. Come on, just lift your hand up if that's you. I want to pray over you. Leave those up. 
your hand gets tired, you can lift your other hand up. But there's just something about obedience. There's just something about courage. There's just something about lifting your hand up. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I pray for each and every person, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from the right back to the left, and from the back forward, every hand that is being raised. God, these hands represent people. And these people represent purpose. And these purposes represent eternal change. And so, Father, right now, I pray that as they step out of this room, that they would begin to live their life on purpose. That they would trust you and they would worship you and they would live knowing that life is short and our investment in eternal things are what matter most. So, Father, build them up. Courage them. Now, in this room, I realize you can put your hands down. There, there's, there's a group of us, whether you're in this room or you're watching live right now, right there on our web, website, right there live on Facebook, wherever you're watching from, and you're online or you're in this room, and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you get home, not when you pray about it, but today is the day of salvation. And some of you today, You've never received Jesus' finished work on the cross. Some of you today, you did at one point, but you've walked away, and today's going to be a day where you rededicate your life back to Jesus. If you've never done that before, I'm going to help you with the words because I realize for many of us, we get hung up on the words. Let me help you with this. If that's you and you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, you pray something like this in your spirit. Say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord. And my Savior, I thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, and heaven, which is my permanent home. I give you all of my sin, and I receive back your salvation. Now, just as a testimony to the Lord, I don't know what you normally do here, but if you gave your life to Jesus and you prayed that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm going to ask you right now, to be bold and courageous. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I prayed that prayer. Awesome, awesome. We see you, we see you, we see you, we see you, we see you. Come on, anybody else on my right? Anybody else? I pray. Thank you. We see you, we see you, we see you, we see you. Awesome. Father, we love you. We thank you for the 10, 12 people that have prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or rededicating their life back to you. We thank you, God, for saving our souls in Jesus' name. Come on. And all God's people said... Hey, can we get a little undignified for those people giving their life to Jesus? Amen.